Hello. Well, for the last six months, we've been journeying through John's gospel, and it's been amazing. We've been preaching a chapter at a time. We've been um, reading in our own devotional times. We've been sharing in our connect groups, um, more recently our Zoom groups. Um, And we've been really hearing God speak to us in so many ways. Um, When I was younger, if we went on a um, family holiday, on a special journey, um, we would create albums with photographs, but also with like um, maps and tickets and uh, and different mementos, ways of remembering the highlights of our time together. I've got here this morning a, a scrapbook that my daughter Josie made a um, long time ago when she was a lot younger, um, maybe when she was about 10 years old. Um, it's from a time when we went to Disneyland in Paris, and she's got pictures, photographs, she's got pictures she's drawn, she's got autographs from the Disney characters, um, and she's got maps and brochures and, and tickets from our train journey and so on. It's a, it's a great way of remembering um, a wonderful time that we spent together. Well, I've, I've created um, my own scrapbook, if you like, um, of our journey through John's gospel, um, highlights that have stood out to me. And I know that different ones of us will have different memories, different things that have particularly spoken to us. But I thought I'd share with you uh, today just some of the ways, some of the highlights that I've picked out. Seven, in fact, um, seven, uh, a particularly important number for John, as we'll discover in a moment. Um, seven memories from John's gospel. The first one for me is this, Jesus is God. Do you remember right back um, in January when we started in John chapter 1, we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And verse 9, the true light that gives light to everything was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John would later tell us right near the end of the gospel that the whole reason he wrote this account was so that we might believe that Jesus is the son of God. But right from the outset, he's clear being the son also means that he is God himself. He says it here in the introduction. And he also, in the first half of the gospel, um, presented us with, with some I am sayings of Jesus. Seven of them, in fact. I am the bread of life. I am um, the, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the, the resurrection, the life. I am the good shepherd. Um, and then he says, um, actually, I am. He just says, I am. So, for example, in John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. And John also presents us with seven signs of of Jesus moving in the supernatural, miraculous power of God. And he's communicating to us. He wants us to know Jesus is God. 
Um, I am, of course, um, was the covenant name of God that God revealed himself as Yahweh. I am to Moses in the book of Exodus. When Moses says, who shall I say sent me? God says, tell them I am sent you. And so John is establishing for us unequivocally, Jesus is God. Now, this is important because he's not just a messenger from God. He's not just a prophet from God. He is God himself on display to us that we might know him. And that brings me to my second highlight, my second memory, because right at the heart of it all, what it means to know who God is, God is love. And love and relationship really lies at the heart of John's gospel, all the way through it. The love that exists between the father and the son. The son might be God, but he's not the father. God exists as three persons, father, son and Holy Spirit. And there's this amazing love relationship that exists between the three persons of our one God. And and what John helps us to understand is that God wants to draw us into that same loving relationship with himself. And so Jesus puts the love of God on display so perfectly. We see it, for example, in his relationship with his friend Lazarus, when he raises Lazarus from the dead. When, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. And Jesus went to raise him from the dead, even though he knew that, that heading towards Jerusalem meant, meant certain death for him. But greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for Lazarus. He lays down his life for each and every one of us because Jesus offers us friendship with God, friendship with himself. And he offers us love. He he draws us into the loving relationship that exists in God. And he makes it clear that loving God also looks like loving one another. Which brings me to my third memory, my third highlight, that story in John chapter 13, where Jesus washes his disciples feet. It says this in John 13, three to five. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, John has established for us that Jesus is God Almighty. He is God himself. He's the the king of the universe. He created all things. He, He has all power. All power belongs to him. He knows where he's come from. He knows where he's going to. And yet he is able to humble himself to take off his outer garment, to put a towel around his waist. He gets down in the dirt and the grime and he washes the filthy feet of his disciples. And he makes it clear that he expects us as his followers to do the same. To put who he is on display by, by even though we're given the right to become children of God, even though we've become co-heirs with Jesus Christ, it, it doesn't set us above other people. It enables us to come underneath them and to serve them, to show them the love of God. And this brings me to my next highlight. In John chapter 15, we we read about this, this fruitful vine, how God calls us to remain in him and to produce fruit. And in John 15 verse 2, Jesus warns us that, that God, the gardener, cuts off every branch in him that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Because God expects us to be fruitful. 
Jesus demands fruitfulness from our lives. He's, he's loving, he's kind, he's compassionate and he's gracious. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't place demands or expectations upon us. He expects us to be fruitful. He expects us to love and to serve. And so um, Judith exhorted us um, with this, this um, call to fruitfulness by praying for the one. She, she encouraged us to, to, to keep praying, to not settle for a lack of fruitfulness in our church community, but to be determined that people would be being added to us, that we would see the fruit of the gospel by people giving their lives to Jesus and being added to the church, that we would commit to go on praying for the people that God lays on our hearts until we see them come into his wonderful kingdom and of course we can seek fruitfulness in all kinds of other ways as well in our holiness in our maturity in um, the way we stand up for justice and speak out against inequality and unrighteousness the way that we pray for the sick and see them recover that we would not settle for a lack of fruit in our life, but that we would be determined that as disciples of Jesus, we would see transformation, we would see growth, we would see maturity. And of course, this is what Jesus longed for, and this is what he prayed for. And so in John chapter 17, another one of my highlights, the prayer of Jesus in the garden, just before he was arrested and, and, and was crucified. And Jesus prays to the Father and he says, you know, I'm not taking them out of the world, but I'm sending them into the world in the same way that you sent me. And just like I'm not of this world, so they're not of this world. They're not, they don't belong here, but I'm sending them into this world. They've been born again from above, but I'm sending them into the world. I'm sending them to be different. I'm sending them to bear this kind of fruit, to love and to serve, to stand out. You see, as disciples of Jesus, we are supposed to stand out in our world. We're supposed to be different. If we don't look different to the people that we work with, to the people that we live amongst, then we have a problem. Because following Jesus is, is supposed to produce a change. It's supposed to produce transformation. The way we love, the way we serve, it's supposed to make us stand out. And so Jesus says, I've given them the same glory that you gave me. They're not of the world any more than I'm of the world. I've sent them into the world. So I pray for their protection. I pray that you protect them. I pray that you keep them together as one. He prays for the way we relate to one another so that we will be a faithful witness to who he is. So that the world will be able to look at us and know that God really did send him into our world for their salvation. And that, of course, leads us to the greatest of highlights, the greatest of memories, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. He paid the price for our sin and rebellion. His blood washes us clean from all our unrighteousness. He sanctifies us. He makes us whole. He makes us one with God. And through his resurrection, he beats the power of sin and death. He, he enables us to be all that he created us to be. That by believing in him, we might have life. His resurrection life in his name. He died for us. He rose again. He beat all that could keep us from being who he has, has called us and commissioned us to be. And that's my final, my seventh and final highlight is the commission that Jesus issues us with. Lucundo um, summed it up brilliantly as a commission to be both shepherds and fishermen. 
to be disciple-making disciples, to be those who are committed to both discipleship and mission, that we would be fruitful in our discipleship, that we would care enough for one another as shepherds, that we would be determined that all of us should be growing, that all of us should be producing fruit in our lives, that it's not just enough for me to be fruitful, but that I should care enough that you're growing in your relationship with Jesus too, that we should, that we should shepherd and disciple one another. That we should see that kind of fruit in terms of maturity in our lives, but also that we should see the kind of fruit that looks like people becoming Christians as we share the gospel with them, as we go out, as we are fishers of men and women, as we are fishermen in our world, that we would see that kind of fruitfulness as people are added into the church, as they find a wonderful relationship with Jesus for themselves. And so Jesus breathes on us and says, receive the Holy Spirit, be empowered, be equipped, be enabled to be fishermen and to be shepherds. It's been a wonderful journey of discipleship and mission. But I pray that as as you reflect on your highlights, on, on your memories, on the things that God has said to you, I pray that we would not be those who just go away and forget everything that we've learned, everything that God has said to us, that we wouldn't be like that man that James describes in his letter in the New Testament when he says the man who who looks at himself in the mirror and then goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But I pray that we'd be those who take God's word that he's spoken to us deep down into our hearts and that we would be committed, that we would be determined to be faithful to what we've heard and to what we've learned, that we would be determined that it should bear fruit in our lives, that we would be committed to that kind of loving relationship with God himself that manifests itself in love and service towards others, that the world might know that we're his disciples by our love for one another and the way we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, that we would be filled with the spirit of God, that cleansed by his death and empowered by his resurrection, we would be both fishermen and shepherds, And we would see long and lasting transformation in our own lives, as well as in our city, our nation and our world. May God's word produce fruit in our lives in Jesus name. Amen.